Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. On May 23rd, I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. a special one on the Online Enquirer podcast. Welcome in. I'm Jeremy Warner, Online Enquirer publisher, and I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Uh, today's guest needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one. Anyway, it's the man, the myth, the legend. It's Lauren Tate, News Gazette, WDWS, the original multimedia reporter in Champaign-Urbana, and just an absolute legend in, in my profession, and really in a lot of athletics. I mean, he's he's synonymous with a lot of athletics because he's seen more of a lot of athletics than anybody, right? So uh, I had a lot of fun catching up with Lauren, talking about his life, talking about his profession, and talking about the Illini. I asked him some questions that people ask everybody uh, about the Illini, the Mount Rushmores, the 89 versus 05, the coaches. Uh, but I also dive a little bit into the profession, how much has changed since he started back right after World War II. And uh, he's just an encyclopedia of Illini knowledge. Um, and he's a guy I, I really, really respect. I didn't really get to know Lauren when I was a student here, but when I came back from covering in DeKalb for a couple months and came back on the Illini beat, Lauren has been nothing but kind to me um, and gracious to me. And I, I've tried to learn as much as I can from him. And I, I feel like I'm at this point, it's weird to say, because he, he's such an icon, but I feel like I can call him my friend. And uh, I cherished that. So, uh, And I cherished my hour with him, talking with Lauren Tate. And, and this was really a selfish podcast for me because I wanted to get to know Lauren uh, even a little bit more than I do. And, and I did on this podcast. And I feel like you all will enjoy it because of that. Um, and, and I just love that we can talk to him for an hour here and... Uh, just uh, kind of dive into what has been a storied life. He knows a lot of important people around Illini Athletics. He's seen a lot about Illini Athletics, and nobody has a better pulse on it. And, man, he's still killing it. He's still killing it. He's still a star. Uh, he's still doing his Saturday morning show. He's still doing his weekly column. And he, he hasn't acted a day over 60, to be honest with you. He talks about his back acting up, that he can't golf as much anymore. Or it hurts when he golfs, but he's 91 years old, and you wouldn't know it, and you wouldn't know it. So, Lauren Tate is going to be up next. Uh, this is one of the podcasts I'll probably listen to a couple times. I rarely go back and listen to it, but I myself will go back and listen to it, and I hope you do as well. So, the man, the myth, the legend, Lauren Tate, News Gazette, coming up next on the Online Enquirer podcast. 
All right, welcome into the Illini Choir podcast, and uh, I've been looking forward to this for, for a long time. Uh, one of the guys that obviously I think most people have great respect for what he's done, what he's meant for Illinois athletics, whether they want to admit it or not. Um, it, it's Lauren Tate, the man, the myth, the legend, the News Gazette, DWS. Lauren, thanks for joining us. How are you? Yeah, what I'm worried about is what I can do in the future. I don't know how much future I got, but uh, I'm looking forward to whatever it is. 91 years young. Um, Lauren, I, I guess you've been doing this for, for so long, and you continue to do it. So that, that's, my, that's my first question to you. A lot, a lot of people always ask me like what, what my career plans are and, and you know retirement plans are. That never seemed like it was in your lexicon, that you just wanted to go down to Florida or go to Arizona or whatever and just uh, get away from it all. Well, you know, I, I enjoy, uh, like I told you earlier off the, off the record here, I mean, I just finished my column for Sunday. I really enjoy uh, working uh, a little bit. I'd rather do that than do nothing. I've tried doing nothing and it doesn't work. The days are long and, and I'd rather... Uh, I'd rather uh, read up on things, and I do an awful lot of reading, and I read uh, Jeremy Werner, which I think is probably the best at uh, covering Illinois these days that we've ever had. I think you do a great job, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on here, but that's it's what I really feel, and I tell people that, and I, I think you work real hard at it, and I enjoy, I follow people, and I try to form my own ideas at the same time. Well, I really appreciate that, Warren. That means a lot coming from you, and, and you've been something I've, I've looked up to. Um, I want to dive into your career a little bit, and uh, I want to dive into some fun questions that I'm sure you get all the time, but uh, we, we can put on the record here a little bit. But uh, you were kind of – you were born into journalism, right? Like, you, you were born oh, yeah. in – Oh, yeah. My dad ran the Piatt County Republican in Monticello, and uh, I was there from the time I was in the third grade. That's when uh, – my mother married uh, Daryl Tippett in Monticello. My dad died when I was six years old and um, in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I just was always around the paper. I took journalism at the University of Illinois. I was writing for the paper, even in those days, a column. Uh, I wrote a column called Tate Tate by Tate, <laughs> but nobody could pronounce it in Monticello, so I changed it later on uh, but in any case yeah I've been uh, that goes all the way back to the mid 1940s <laughs> late 1940s what was writing for a newspaper a local newspaper like in the 1940s well I, I was just writing a sports column I mean I I, I don't know what it was like. I mean I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> I'd be ashamed to show you some of those columns now and we had a, this actually happened, we had a fellow, a really good friend of mine that, that died at that time, is uh, Herbie Dressback. And uh, one of the fellows that I hung around with said, could I write a, an old bit about, you know, kind of an old bit and a story about Herbie, he's such a sports fan. And, and so I just put it in my column. I mean, I, 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 didn't, I didn't even give him credit. I mean, it was like I wrote it. <laughs> I did all kinds of crazy stuff like that in those days, I guess. Well, Lauren, I, people forget. Um, I know you're going to self-deprecate yourself here, but you played baseball at Illinois. You played basketball at, at Illinois. Like so, sports. Well, I, I mean, let's you were, just you were say sports. I came out for the team and was on the roster. Let's just leave it at that. I never made. Uh, I, you know, I dropped off basketball in my junior year. I, I tried. I made a really strong effort in in baseball my junior year, and I was number two shortstop. And this is how good I was. Vince Feigenbutz beat me out, and he was a year younger. 
And uh, he was a sophomore. Of course, freshmen weren't ineligible. I was on the first freshman team as in baseball. But uh, uh, anyway, he beat me out at shortstop. And then when it came time to substitute for him, they took the second baseman and moved him over, and I was still didn't get in. So, yeah, Johnny Davis was a, a better shortstop than I was, and he played second base. So that's how low I was on the totem pole. And the thing about baseball is I sat on the bench, and, um, you know, I, I can still remember uh, a coach looking down the bench for a pinch hitter and just kind of not looking at me because he didn't want to, I wasn't going to be the guy. I just wasn't good enough. But I, I started pitching when I was about 25. I had 10 great years of pitching till I was, till the, just to tell, I, I got to pitch against the U.S. Pan American team, which was a, a great honor And when I was in Hammond. And then uh, my final, but the, Two days before I came to the News Gazette to go to work, I pitched in the national tournament in, in Wichita and actually won mm. my game. I came out in the ninth inning, though. But uh, those are the things I remember. And, and you know, I'm just I, I just love to play sports. And one of my big disappointments now is that go, my back is just kind of preventing me from enjoying golf as just in the last year or two. I just it's just uh, I'm getting too stiff and sore back there. And. I haven't played now for two weeks and mm. you know, I don't, I, I'll be out there again, but I feel great at my age as long as I don't play golf. <laughs> <laughs> when I play golf, I just come, I find soreness back there. Yeah. Well, and that's the end of my story. Well, I'm, I'm sure that that's, you know, a big reason you, you've stayed active. How long did you play softball till Lauren? Oh, mid eighties mid 80s I, I i played softball i started playing in the old men's league at age 56 i remember i skipped the first year it was beneath me <laughs> i'm not gonna play in that old men then i then i realized i better so i played in that uh, league for uh quite a number of years actually 50 uh, 30 years yeah well that, that wow. might be the, the the secret um right there but uh, obviously we all get into sports or dive into sports like my brother played sports my dad didn't had no interest my mom didn't have much interest but my brother was so that's how I kind of got into sports loved it and I wanted to stick around it I wasn't good enough to to play past high school or and so to, uh, you were definitely a better athlete than me but I just wanted to be around it like why why did you get attracted to sports or why have you wanted to hang around it and be around it oh I don't know why I mean it's just built in I mean I they got pictures of me and in Kentucky when I was four years old hitting a baseball you know I, I just always loved to compete and to not compete and not compete in golf right now is, is a blow to me because I I would really like to be out there on these uh, summer summer mornings but uh, and I will be but it, it isn't the same I mean I'm not competitive anymore I'm just out there getting exercise right. basically is all I'm doing well but, uh, no I, I it's just I can't explain what drives a person to play baseball until they're 35 as an amateur or semi-pro whatever that was and i can't explain what made me keep playing old, old men's softball till i was in my 80s i don't know what what caused it i mean but i know what drove it drove me i wanted to play yeah yeah well you went from hammond where, where you started your career right uh is there 11 years huh so what were, were those 11 years like for you starting in this sports journalism oh they're tremendous uh let's understand i came home from the army and i was there in monticello working for my dad on the newspaper and t.o white from the news gazette called me 
and I, I called in this, the game, uh, this, uh, well, going back, Ikes Vaughn and I put together a baseball team in Monticello in the EI League. We were the co-managers. And um, I called in the games to T.O. White at the News Gazette every Monday morning. And uh, because they had an afternoon paper at that time, and, and he wanted the calls around 6.30, as I recall, something like that. So I called him in, and he said one day, he said, they've got a job opening. I just talked to John Whitaker in, uh, in Hammond, and he's got a job opening. He needs somebody right now. And he said, uh, would you be interested? And I said, well, I don't know. So I called John, and I went up there, and uh, I met him at the Kankakee Golf Course, as a matter of fact, on a Monday. And, and, um, and he told me to come up and apply. And I came up, and, I, and he said, they'd give me 75 bucks a week if I, would, uh, if I would come to work for him. And I said, well, I'm getting 75 at, in Monticello with my dad, and I, I guess I won't leave. And he said, well, uh, sit here a minute. And he went up and talked to Delorier, the president, and came back down and said, uh, the publisher, that is. Yeah. And he said, uh, would 100 do? And I said, yeah, hundred would really do. So I was making five thousand that year. <laughs> big money. <laughs> I was rich. <laughs> big, big money in those days. Um, so, so what, what did you earn? Like, what was? I mean, we all have formative years in in this business. What what stuck with you from Hammond? Well, I I just I don't know what stuck with me. I covered I covered with um, the high school sports, and I. At, a, at, at some point along the way, in 1963, I became sports editor, and I wrote a column. And I've always been opinionated, and I like writing my opinions and you know debating with people about things. And, and I guess that's I really. And so I think as you get older, what you do is you do the things that you that come easier for you as opposed to the things that come hard. Hmm. I mean, I I couldn't be in there at night on Friday night doing all that high school stuff and, and, you know, up till midnight and working. I mean, that's work. But what I do is fun. At least it's fun for me. And uh, just uh, the column I just sent in just now, I, you know, I, I work quite a bit. And you say, well, how long did it take you? Well, you know, I've been reading up on this particular subject uh, for uh, years, <laughs> if not, uh, and more recently in, in recent weeks. And, and so, it's just what I, I really enjoy doing this. And as long as they'll let me, I'll continue. Well, and everybody still wants to read it. Um, you, you come, you come home to Champaign. What, what was that like when, when you got well, the home? It was a homecoming because I came back here and my family was here. And now I, I have a great, one great thing that's working for me right now. I've got three girls and a boy and they're all right here. They're all right here in town. I, I said, Lori's, uh, dinner two days ago i was with kathy yesterday melinda's up in toronto uh, in uh, montreal where I, uh, her daughter just had twins so i won't see melinda for a few more days but the, my kids are all around here travis is here and it's just tremendous to be able to see all your family right here at least at least uh, most of my family all of my kids and no. all my grandkids aren't here but all my kids are would it would it mean for you to come back and, and cover illinois the university. I always covered Illinois. I mean, I always was close to Illinois. I attended the University of Illinois. I knew all the athletes because I was a semi-athlete myself. I knew all the athletes, and uh, I was I I came down to Illinois games anytime I had a chance. I was here for the opening of the uh, Assembly Hall in 1963, 
I remember that specifically because when we uh, four of us came down from Hammond and when, when we came out, we couldn't find our car. It was a round building. We'd never been in a round building before. And we didn't know where the car was parked. <laughs> we had to wait for a whole bunch of cars to leave before we found ours. But anyway, uh, I, Illinois has always meant so much to me. I was a real, I would have to tell you, and this is a true statement and nobody will believe it, but I was a recruiting contact for Northwest Indiana for uh, Tommy O'Connell and later for Pete Elliott for several years. Not that I knew that they always believed everything I told them, but I would tell them stuff about players. And one year we brought down two players, Jim Hicks and, and Lulu James from East Chicago Roosevelt. And and Hicks later, by the way, was a White Sox left fielder. I don't know if you'd remember that. And it might be before your time. We could, we could use sure him now. Yeah, we could use him now, Warren. But there was a Jim Hicks, great left field. He's the same Jim Hicks that came down here as the receiver and flunked out, <laughs> uh, ultimately. But uh, in any in any case, I was I was close to Pete. I remember when we lost to uh, to uh, Michigan when the year that we, we won the Rose Bowl that very year we lost one game. We lost to Michigan and Bump Elliott. And I remember more. I you say, well, did I interview him? Yeah, I did. But I was doing more consoling than I was interviewing. I was I said, don't worry, Pete. You you you'll still win this thing. You know, I was I was more of a fan. I was a fan absolute fan and not a and not a legitimate writer until the slush fund hit mm. when the slush fund hit i then and that was right after that was shortly after i came back to champagne and i realized i i couldn't be a fan anymore as a writer i had to i had to take on and then we had a series of problems like that all the way up through mike white another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, that's a great segue and what I want to ask you Oren is I went to University of Illinois um, I, I wanted to come here partly because of D Brown Darren Williams and that that 05 team right um, but like when you start covering them your fandom slowly slips away a little bit so I, I'm wondering like people always ask me like how do you how are you not a fan anymore how, how, how did that happen with you like why, why did that happen with you you realize your job it's your job. I, I reached the point where, you know, where I was the main guy writing all the stuff about Stoner when Stoner was eliminated. And at that time, you know, at one time I was a favored guy with, uh, with Pete Elliott and, and later with Mike White and, and of course Lou Henson. But during the Stoner era, uh, I was known as that damn Tate. <laughs> and okay, I talked to, I talked to uh, Kent Brown one day about, he was here at that time and, he said that was that was basically what my name was at that time. 
Yeah, that that's a, that's a difficult place to be. I mean, it's got it's a place as a journalist you got to be willing to go, right? Like there's there's been some times I've gotten calls that are uncomfortable, but your job is yeah. sometimes sometimes right to well, make well, them. Let me just tell you the, the first week I was here, the first year I was here, we had a football season. Of course, it wasn't very good, and and uh, Harry Combs was a basketball coach, and Harry Combs is from Monticello. I had played golf with with Harry in Monticello. I still remember him breaking a club out there. He had a heck, heck of a temper. But Harry, um, I when I sprained my ankle in a game against Urbana in the, in the sectional when I was a sophomore, maybe it was the regional sectional, whichever it was, and they carried me into the locker room. The first person in the locker room was Harry Combs. That's amazing. I mean, he was a, you know, he was the head coach at the University of Illinois. And of course, at that time, he had, he, he had been the coach in Champaign. Well, what I'm trying to get at is I was so close to him and so close to, to Pete. When Harry, when Harry went up for the Big Ten meetings that year in a plane, I was the only guy in the plane with him. When I did an interview, when I wanted to do an interview, I called him, said, could I do an interview? He, says, Why don't I, he said, I got to go, uh, go to the bank. Why don't I come by and see you? You don't have that anymore. You don't have that relationship anymore. It was that same way with Lou Henson. We used to sneak out for drinks after practice and that kind of stuff, you know. And and when R. Smith was here, we we I'd watch practice almost every. We don't even get to watch practice now, but in those days, four o'clock meant that's when you start watching practice. Mm -hmm. And then after practice, you sneak out and have a drink with the coach, and learn a lot of stuff. Now I learn it for you from you <laughs> and other people that you know that are able a lot closer to it than I am. Why do you like? I, I yearn for the good old days. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, well, like, I, I'll have some conversation with coaches. Like, I can, I can talk with Brett. I saw him in Canada yeah. for Sydney and Chase, and, and get to talk to him a little bit just as a person. But wh why do you think that's changed so much? And what did you gain of having that relationship with the coach? Even oh, if you had to, goodness. even if the, you had the, to criticize. I, the first thing you have to do is be careful not to use something that they told you that that you know you shouldn't use. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing, and. uh Lou, you know, Lou would slip information to me, and then what I would have to do is get confirmation somewhere else and use that for the same information, and just to show that I didn't just didn't get it from him essentially. But I, I, there was just I, I, I we're just so the the isolation came when people from social media went to practice, got on their cell phones, and told people that so and so got in a fight today or so-and-so did something wrong that they wouldn't have seen if they hadn't been at practice. There are a lot of fights in football at practice. A lot of times guys get upset. You can't report that and still be at practice because the coach is going to say, if you're going to report that, fine, you're not going to be here because I've got the ability to, to prevent you from being here. And that's what really basically happened. That's how I, I lost because of what other guys did at practice that prevented me from being in practice. Yeah. No, like Jerry Kill, when I covered him, said, you don't report injuries, you don't report plays, um, anything's got to be confirmed through me. And I was fine with that because you got to learn about the team, right? Like that's the most important thing. And you do understand in this business, like fights are going to happen, swear words are going to be said. It's, it's, yeah. uh, unless it's, you're going to get hurt that they don't want, they don't want, they don't want the other team to know that my right tackle's got a, a shoulder problem. Right. You know, they just don't – I mean, they. that's one of the secrets they want to be able to keep. Right. Well, Lauren, you were the original multimedia reporter 
at least in, in this area. Um, you did newspapers, you got into radio. I don't know how many people know you did what more than a decade of TV. What, Eleven years of TV for Channel Fifteen. Yeah. What What drove you to that? Because that that's kind money. Of, I needed more money. <laughs> it's kind of ahead of its time, Warren. I think I think I started twenty five dollars a show for four <laughs> minutes. I mean, look, sports on TV on the news thing is really simple, particularly when I'd spent all day working to learn all the things that I was going to throw out in four minutes. And, and a couple of minutes of those are, are interviews. So you really don't have much time to do anything other than give scores. So that wasn't, uh, that wasn't something that was very difficult, but it just, it took time. And, and uh, at some point I, you know, I, I tried to stop several times. Tom Stocker came in and, and uh, took over for me at one time and then Stocker left and I had to, to do it uh, again and and I finally told uh, told the station that you know I just didn't want to do it anymore I, I had this idea in 19 1977 or 8 right in there when Larry Stewart was retiring I wanted to do a radio show on Saturday morning and uh, I thought it would work and Larry said no we're not going to do that I spent enough time down here since the only thing was about six months later or whatever the time was Larry announced his retirement in the future. He was going to retire in about six months or something, or end of the year, I think it was. And uh, so I went over his head and I, I and and uh, said, well, "Why don't we have a Saturday morning show?" And then and then uh, Flynn came back to me and said, "It's a good idea, but we'll have to see what Larry thinks." And the next day, Larry walked up to me and says, "I've got an idea. Why don't we have a Saturday show?" <laughs> I said, fine. He said, just remember one thing. I'm boss. I said, that's fine. So Larry was here for about for a few more months. We did the shows together, and then Jim Turpin was hired, and I continued to do it with him. And we've, we've been on the air now since over 40 years. I was going to say, 40-year show. Have they, have they given you a raise yet, Warren? I got, a, I got a $10 raise under Turpin, and I got a $10 raise about a year ago. Wow. So in 42 years, I got $20 raise. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm not doing it for the money. I I could use all the money I can get, but never. But I basically I'm just saving it for my kids or giving it to them now. Warren, did did you ever get offered to leave Champagne? No, although I tried a couple of times, but I I I didn't get very far. I tried to get on on when I was doing TV. I, I had a chance to go up to Chicago and. And talk to some people up there, and and uh, it didn't work out. They they weren't interested in me. And uh, no, I I've no, I don't think I have. Um, I I I did some work uh, in selling. I, I sold mutual funds my last few years in, in Hammond, and I also continued down here briefly. But uh, it all there's just too much work to be uh, the, the sports thing was too much fun. Yeah, and so I, I stuck with it. I was going to ask because people will ask me even now, like, where do you want to be? Like, what you got to take a step up? And I, I say I'm pretty happy doing what I'm doing, covering Illinois. Um, you know, being a small fish in a big pond doesn't appeal to me as much as some other people. But why why didn't you leave? Why why didn't you want to? go try it at some other market st louis chicago whatever it was oh i i don't know i i just i don't think i was good enough number one i i don't think that i was 
I don't think I would have probably worked out in, in St. Louis or Chicago. Um, I did, it never, I, I just never made any uh, moves in that direction. I was always too busy and, and um, you know, for, for all those years, for all years and years and years, I wrote seven columns a week. I wrote every day. And, and uh, you know, you just kind of, in those days, you just kind of shot them out. And, and more now there's, I have way more information because of the internet. I mean, like way, way, way more information and, and, and get it quicker. And the problem is just remembering it all. Uh, I suppose this week I've probably spent, I don't know, 20 hours reading and keeping up on time. I read The Athletic. I'm reading you and uh, and your gang. And uh, I, I'm I'm trying to keep up on athletics all And I read the, the paper. I, I, the only thing I'm falling behind on, I don't keep up on high school sports near as much as I did back in the days when I was picking the All-State team and all that. I'm, I've, I've fallen way back on that. Warren, obviously you've seen some major changes in this business. Um what do you think has been a positive change? I mean, you mentioned the internet, but what, what do you think has been a positive change in this industry? Well, let me just tell you, when I started in Hammond, we got this Urbana Courier, Burt Bertine was a writer, columnist, sports. And we would get that paper like maybe two at a time or three and, and they'd be two days late. And now... I picked up the paper this morning to read the sports. There was almost no article in that that I was interested in that I didn't already know, wasn't always already aware of, or had already read about it. And you know, in other words, I was reading last night what was in the paper today mm -hmm. because that's what I do. So information I have just much, much more information now when I sit down to write a column than I had earlier. I don't know what, I mean, it, got, it, it improved all through the years. It, it wasn't just a, a sudden thing. It was just over time, you, you find out ways to get information. And, you know, like I, I, I don't, I read uh, uh, writers in, at, at Indiana. I read uh, writers at, 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 uh, at Purdue. I read, uh, you know, uh, different doctorman at, at Iowa. Mm -hmm. He's just terrific. I mean, I learned more from him than yeah. almost all the rest of them put together. I think he's he writes for the Athletic now, and I read the Athletic all the time. It wears me out. You can't keep up. There are hundreds of writers for the Athletic all over the country, and and they're all good, and they're and and they're all qualified. And I don't know if you you just can't read it all, but I try. What what do you think is the change you've you've not liked the the change that you think has hurt or been the most difficult? Well, the thing that hurts most is the inability to be more closely uh, attached to the team, to be able to watch practices, to be a little bit more inside. But I I I leave it up to you to to do all the recruiting work. I don't do that anymore at all. I mean, I I just follow it, but I don't. I, I'm not talking to the to the parents and that sort of thing as as you would do if you were really involved. You would talk to everybody, the coach of the player and the parents of the player, and 
try to find out, you know, if we're recruiting somebody. The, the one big difference is that when, when Lou was here, when Lou Henson was recruiting, he'd recruit four, five, six guys, mostly in the state of Illinois. You could really follow that. Now, how many offers have we made for the next class? 40? You know, or the next two classes. I mean, it's the numbers is so great that it, it's it's almost meaningless. Mm-hmm. You, unless you know exactly which one they really want, but what about all those? And, and, and some of those 40 or so guys that, that, that they list as interested in Illinois have already committed to somebody else. Yeah. Some of those. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, like, your relationship with Lou Henson seemed pretty mm-hmm. special. Um, just how, I know I, I had, had you on after Lou passed away, but what did, what did that relationship mean to you, and just how would you describe that relationship? Like, it, it just um, – he was Lou was so willing to allow you to get on the inside a little bit and and I was and he had great teams in the 1980s and uh, I followed him you know I went to practice and we just became closer and closer it was something that grew over time I I don't know that it was planned or anything like that it just happened and if you couldn't get along with Lou Henson you couldn't get along with anybody and, and I wrote things that he didn't like at times. And I had a system at that time where if I wrote something I knew that he wasn't going to like, I just stayed away from him for a day. And by the second day, he'd forgotten. <laughs> Mary hadn't forgotten, but he, <laughs> he had forgotten. But uh, I, I, I tried to be as fair as I could with Lou. And, and I thought that, you know, uh, it was interesting when it, when it came down to the end, you know, he, uh, he called Turpin and, and myself and, we talked about his retirement, whether he should. And then, of course, a year later, he took a job at New Mexico State for mm-hmm. uh, for one dollar for the whole year. Yeah, he came. He he was down there trying to help them hire a coach, and they wound up hiring him. Yeah, I'm wondering, Warren, if social media had been available your entire career, what story would have been the craziest that you covered at Illinois? Like, what well, would have been crazier? It wouldn't have been a game. Let's just let's start there it would have been one of the issues it would have been the stoner situation it would have been the slush fund it would have been the david wilson case it would have been something of that nature it wouldn't have been a game because those are the things that always attracted me more so than a single game i mean the games are important games in minneapolis when we went up there and won a couple games and got to the final four that was great but uh it would always be the issues i like issues i more than games yeah what was tougher to cover, the slush fund scandal or the stuff around Deion Thomas? Um, the the toughest part for me by far was the slush fund because I had, I had I arrived here in August, late August, and the slush fund broke on in December hmm. of that year, and I was a, 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 so green and so un. I didn't know anything about what the rules were in the Big Ten, you know, what we were violating, and 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 there were all kinds of stories going on, and I, it was a terrible. I was just following Bert Bertine around, trying to figure out what he was doing, so I could get the same story for the News Gazette that he was putting in the Courier. I was, it, I was at a loss that that uh, for those six months, and then of course to have your best friend, the two coaches that I was closest to for years. Combs, Combs and I were 
one time Combs called me. He had to make a make a, uh, a speech up in in uh, northern Indiana, and he couldn't make it. He called me, and I I did the speech for him. It's one of the few that ever turned out good for me because I'm not a very good speaker. But in any case, that uh, having the problems and how to deal with with uh, Pete Elliott and and Harry Combs when they were, you know, in that much trouble, that was really difficult for me. How how did the those scandals? How has that sh- shaped Illinois athletics, or just the, the backbone, the foundation of it? Well, it, it, first of all, we got a bad reputation for a long period of time, all the way up till Gunther. Gunther's uh, program avoided. That was one of the main things he wanted to do: was run an honest program and not have problems because we'd had problems under Stoner, we'd had problems with Mike White, we had problems with, you know, about the Dion case. You know all about there's so many different things that happened there and we had about a couple decade siege of problems and until those could get straightened out Illinois fell behind Illinois really fell behind during that period and it's been hard to catch up ever since we we make a run at it but we don't sustain yeah so where, where do you think Illinois is at right now with with Josh Whitman Brett Bielma and uh Brett I think they got people I think Josh is is an AD that could be commissioner I mean that that's what I think of Josh I think he's just the best there is but uh, we've got we've got a, a very difficult situation developing in football whether in 2024 not this season but the next season we're likely to have and assuming no more additions to the big Ten we're likely to have 16 teams in a single division which means that the top two teams would then be in the playoff as opposed to the winners of two divisions. And we're going to be in a situation where Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan and USC are going to dominate this conference, I surely believe. And when they do, the rest of us, particularly the Minnesotas and the Illinois and the Purdue's and the Indianas, are, we're all going to be Northwestern. We're going to be down the road and just meaningless in, in, a, in a conference that big, I'm afraid. That, that's to me is a major concern. And I don't know that, that there's anything we can do about it. It's not what's best for Illinois. It's what's best for the conference and getting in the playoffs. And now, as long as we're dealing with it from that perspective, Illinois is in trouble yeah. in football. Yeah. In basketball, I can't tell you what's going on when you change your lineup every year with this transfer portal. It's just crazy. I don't, I don't know. I think that we'll know an awful lot more within the next two weeks and Illinois could either be very good next season or very average. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, Two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. 
Uh, there's some some must-ask questions of a guy who's, who's covered Illinois as long as you have. So um, I'm going to put you on the spot with a couple of these, Warren. Sure. Who, who's your Mount Rushmore of Illini athletics, athletes? Okay. Um, Mount Rushmore, you mean football, basketball? Uh, be a little more specific. Should, should we? Okay. No, I appreciate that. Football. We'll go football. Four guys. Well, I mean, Grange and Buck, this are the top two. And then after that, I think it's just anybody's guess. I don't know who the next two would be. Uh, I mean, my favorite was J.C., but, you know, J.C. had that one great year. But I think what was it about running, What was it about J.C. Caroline for people? Well, <laughs> he broke in as a sophomore, and we beat Ohio State 40-22 to 22 or whatever that score was. And, and uh, he, he led the nation in rushing, and he was just – a a flashy, hard to tackle, hard run. He was a, he was not as evasive as he was evasive enough, but he, he would run over you if he could. I mean, he was he was a slasher, much more of a slasher than I would say uh, that Chase Brown was. Mm-hmm. Chase Brown was really good, and undoubtedly better at this point in his career and bigger. But uh, I, I just, I JC was always kind of my favorite at that point, and he came back here and coached all those years, and then of course he stayed in Urbana and coached in Urbana and taught school in Urbana, and he was, he was a great one. Um, I, I don't, I, I'd have to, I'd have to sit down and think more about that. Um, uh, basketball has always been a problem because if you listen to uh, Mark Coombs or other guys that were close to the 1989 team, including Gill, they will tell you that Kenny Battle was the, the was the driving force of the 1989 team. I always thought Nick Anderson was better, and Nick Anderson proved to be a lot better professionally. But we get our 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 minds are are tainted in this way that when we see a guy really perform well professionally, it affects how you thought of him as a collegiate player because. We've had great collegiate players who didn't do much professionally, and we've had guys like Eddie Johnson who, what, he averaged eight points as a freshman, and he got a little better each year, and then he got a little better all the time in the pros, and same thing for Harper. Mm -hmm. He kept getting better and better and better. He always guarded the other team's best player. He was a good scorer. Uh, I think he had like an eight-year stretch where his scoring average went up every year. And starting at Illinois, three years at Illinois, and then uh, right on into the pros. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I haven't helped you here. Maybe <laughs> I haven't. I can. I don't know who was the best player of all time in basketball at the University of Illinois. I guess we would settle on Darren Williams, but again, it's because of what he did professionally. Right. Right. And um, D. Brown was bad either. <laughs> I was going to say. D. Brown played. D. Brown played four years, but he didn't make it professionally. Really, right. he didn't make it in the NBA. Right. So, so I'm sure you get asked this all the time. Head-to-head, who wins, 89 or 05? Oh, I know. I've always said 89, and I stay for a reason. The 89 de- depth was a lot different. You had Liberty coming off the bench. You had more good players. And you had Larry Smith, who was a sixth man, actually, and led the team in assists. So he was more than just a sixth man. He was a regular who didn't start most of the time. Who, uh, who's and the, by the way, yeah. they played a tougher schedule by far, and they had more pros. They were longer, athletic. I, I think the 05 team. Same. Hamilton was the tallest, and I don't think he was 6'7". He might have been. Yeah. 
that was six 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 seven somewhere in there. Yeah, um, and long arms and and really good player. But then you had Gill had a long career in the pros. You had Nick Anderson a long career. I mean, it, I'd say that I don't. Hey, it'd be close. And the record of the of the two thousand five team was better. Their record was better, thirty-seven and two. They should have won the national championship. Yeah. You know they took more threes in that game than any game they took all season, and they just didn't hit enough of them. Yep. And they lost by a couple possessions, right? Yep. Yep. So, what was your is is the national championship game or those final fours your your biggest memories of? Well, yeah. The games you covered. The biggest memory is, is the game in in. Uh, Suburban Chicago, where uh, was that Rosedale or Rose, Rosemont, Rosemont whatever that place was we were at. Uh, you probably remember. I can't remember. But where were we? Rosemont, yeah. Rosemont, okay. And we rallied from 15 down with four minutes to go. And, and uh, the thing I remember, and it's so funny because it related to another game we played, uh, the writers from Chicago were all finishing their stories <laughs> with four minutes to go. And... Uh, we, we were riding across the street from the game. They were. I didn't go across until the game was over. Evidently, I had more time than they did. But they are on deadlines. And all those guys had left early and were filing their story, and they had to change it. The same thing happened in, in Los Angeles the year that George threw the two touchdown passes to beat USC 14-13, or the game where we were trailing 13 to nothing in the fourth quarter and hit those two touchdown passes. And I remember those Chicago writers, again, they were filing their story. Illinois got shut out. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> Illinois won. And so I, that's the kind of stuff I remember. But uh, those, are, those are great wins and uh, great comebacks. We've had a few of those. The way we file stories now is with the internet, Warren. We can be anywhere and, and file a story. How did I mean? I remember when I started in this business, I had to find a McDonald's to get Wi-Fi to file a story. But how, how did you guys have to file stories back in the day? Um, it, it was it was a trick all the time. I've even had to dictate stories on the phone uh, because of deadlines and things back in that day. And we had a well, I don't know what the thing was called a porta bubble or something where we put the phone in the in the machine and you know and, and it would translate the game. I mean, I can't. There was when I started out the the first time I went to Ohio State, I had to find a Western Union. To send the story. Now listen, I wrote the story. It comes out at the News Gazette in all caps, <laughs> all caps. Now they had probably, and when it was on a linotype, it probably had probably had 20 mistakes in it by the time he had it, it went from the from the all caps through a through a linotype writer who had to figure out which ones should be cap, capitalized and what wasn't. Then. Then they would send it to, to what we had uh, uh, several ladies who did the proofreading, and they didn't know the first thing about sports. And I remember one morning I got back, it was a Sunday, Sunday morning, I grabbed the paper and I was reading, I, I, I actually was took it to, I was on the, bed, on the bed when I started seeing all these mistakes. I had my column probably had 10 mistakes in it. And I threw the I threw the newspaper and, and knocked down the shades of the room. I was so upset. But those were the days. I mean, when you just couldn't do anything about it. I tried to make corrections one time, and and the uh, the union was going to take 
uh, throw charges against me hmm. for uh, for fooling around with the type. Hmm. See, when I worked for my dad, and we made when we filled out a, a page, it was all metal type, yeah. and it was upside down, and you had to learn to read it. So I could read it. So when I came to the News Gazette all these years later, I could read the type, but you can't touch the type. The union won't let you touch it. it. I touched it, and that was that was the last time I touched it. <laughs> I never did it again. It's a different different era, a uh, different era at that time. Um, oh yeah, yeah, a little bit. Best coach that you covered at Illinois. Well, it's Mike Smalls, the best coach we ever had, I think. Don't you? Tylee was right there, uh, but I suppose you're talking about Bill Self is the best coach, and it, it was a it was a it was a Gunther mistake not to give him a formidable raise to keep him because that created some problems when we let him get away. We, do, we do you think they change any, coaches too frequently? Do you think they had any chance to keep him? There's a chance because at that time he had a great recruiting class coming in, had a great player from the East whose name I've forgotten. Charlie Villanueva, uh, yeah. Villanueva, that's the guy. And he had talent. And the, the other thing you got to remember is at that precise time in those years, we were just as good as Kansas. I mean, Kansas had a better history, but we had a pretty good history too in the, in the 80s and, you know, and up. And and so, I yes, I think there was a chance, but it would have been it would have had to have been a different approach by Gunther, like a lot more money than Gunther ever wanted to give. You, you saw what he paid uh, uh, Weber when Weber came in. I mean, he was Weber was might have been the lowest paid coach in the Big Ten at that time, and I think that that he had concerns about the finances, and and he felt that. Self's loyalty was, you know, was not. He felt that he was. He he felt he was disloyal to take the approach he did, and and uh, you know that's what coaches do everywhere. Yep. Coaches, most of them go for the most money. That's what we all do. Some, you know, somebody else, You know, I, I I'm not criticizing it. I mean, I don't blame coaches for getting as much money as they can. Yeah. Who's the Who's the Illini athlete or that people don't talk enough about that that you've covered? Because I know you really like Derek Harper. I, I, we've talked about that before, but is is there anybody well, else? I think I, I don't think there was any question when we had Harper that everybody realized how good he was, and I mean, he was he was special. Um, you know, here's the problem: I'm a lot more impacted by way back when I was close to guys. Like, I was the roommate of Don Sunderlands when he's the most valuable player in the Big Ten. People today have no concept of how popular he was at that time. Illinois had gone to the Final Four in in 49 when he was a sophomore, and again when he was a senior. When he was a senior, there were only there was only one other senior on the squad, and that was the six-man Ted Beach. But uh, the Morris and, and Falmer and Breedar were all key players on that team. They were all my class. And Red Kerr was just one year from joining the team. He came in at mid-semester. And uh, those guys were, you know, I was so close to those guys. Is how, how can I ever be that, you know, how can I ever favor any other player than those that I was around all the time and, and actually in the same room with Sunderland? Mm-hmm. 
He was never there, though. He had a date every night. <laughs> <laughs> so were you going out with him? Because that, that might be a good guy to hang around. Uh, no, but I was I was a pool shark in those days. And I took Don on the – we had a pool table at the Cigap House. And we I said, okay, we'll play you 10, day, 10 games for, for a dollar a game. And, and I beat him every game. I was pretty good at that time. I held the record in Monticello for three rail – billiards and so i i was i was a sneaky guy with with the pool so he owed me ten dollars he said why don't we go over to, to huff across the street it's just right across the street and uh, shoot shoot uh maybe horse or something and, and uh, let's see how that turns out well i thought i was a really good shooter you know i could shoot with anybody he won 10 in a row. <laughs> I lost the same 10 that I had just won on the pool table. I lost to Don in the, in shooting. And, and well, you know, I, I, I was, I was just really torn when he was killed a few years later in a car accident with his wife. It was awful. It was, that was in 1963 when he was killed. Was there anything else that was um, tough to cut, like tough to cover like that? That, that you remember most? I mean, for me, Bobby Roundtree is, you know, I know for Lante, Matt Heldman was. Yeah, as, as, Matt Heldman was really bad. Of course, those guys were gone at the, I mean, Matt Heldman was gone at the time. And, mm-hmm. and um, I, I don't know. I, I don't, the, you know, the toughest thing I had to write, I wrote a column about my dad, my stepdad when he died. And that that's the only column I ever wrote that I had tears running down my face as I wrote it. He was such a great guy, but um, what what did he mean to you, Warren? Excuse me. What what did he mean to you? Oh, he meant everything to me. He he just he treated me like I was king. He he just he took a a, a little kid that that was out of Kentucky and didn't know, and I was in a troublemaker. I just was a really bad kid, and. They took me in, and uh, I think my Mary, my mother married him because she had, she kind of tested some guys that she went out with uh, when, when I was living in Hoopston, uh, my first and second grade, she would come up there with maybe a boyfriend or something, and, and if I didn't like the guy, she wouldn't date him anymore. <laughs> she had veto power. And, and when, when Tip came up, you know, he lifted me up and, and played catch with me and did all that kind of stuff, and. And you know, I actually uh, played ball with him one year. I, uh, his last year was might have been my first playing in Monticello fast pitch softball, and uh, I was a shortstop that year. And he was he was on the town team, and he was a left fielder. And there was a ball hit between us. I was trying to catch a fly ball. I'm running out, and I can't get there, and he can't get there, and the ball drops between us along the left field line. And he picks up the ball on the first hop and fires it to second. He had a good, strong overhand throw, and he's headed to throw the ball at second base, and the ball hit me right square in the back of the head, <laughs> right out of his hand, knocked me down. <laughs> but that's the only problem I ever had with him. <laughs> he hit me with the ball once. But we, he was terrific. Yeah, He straightened me out. I was a bad kid. Yeah, yeah. And uh, taking over that father duty, I, I had to mean a lot. Um so I, I wanted to ask you this, Lauren. Um, you're still writing, man, and, and you're still writing well, and I, I, I read you every chance I can get. Um, what's your outlook when, when you're in your 90s and you're still doing this and you still love doing it? Like, what's your outlook? 
I just am going to do it as long as they let me. I mean, I enjoy doing it, and I, I, I don't feel any different than I did years ago. I mean, I, I, I mean, as long as I don't play golf, I don't hurt. <laughs> and I will play golf, and I have played golf this year. I had one nice nine hole on the blue. I actually shot 39 one day, and I thought, oh boy, it's all back, you know. And I'm just, and then I played another nine, and then I spent the next four days getting over the the back aches. But it seems like when I swing that I'm straining something in my back mm -hmm. and I got so much arthritis in there from three surgeries that I'm, I'm not going to get any better so I know when I go out and play that what's going to happen but anyway uh, I, I as far as the writing is concerned I enjoy it so much that I don't want to stop and uh, we'll see what happens in the future so it's not up to me right right um, this, is a, this, is a, this is a loaded question Lord, but um, yep. how, how do you hope you're remembered? Oh my gosh. I don't. How do I hope I'm remembered? Boy, oh boy. I wish you had told me, asked me that earlier so I could think about it. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think that. I think that I will be a controversial person that some people will say that, you know, he was a good writer and some people will say he was prejudiced or he, he you know or the, I don't know what I, I'm sure I, I get criticism so I know that everybody's not going to feel the same about me I, I think there's a big uh, I think that if you do your job properly that I'm involved in as far as writing and talking on radio that I think that probably there are going to be divergent feelings about you and I'm sure there will be divergent feelings about me. I've, I've, I've got, I've had a bad temper, and I, I wish I hadn't. But I've, I've done some things that way that I regret. Um, I got thrown out of a ball game sitting on the sideline, a softball game, one time, and uh, I wasn't even playing. <laughs> All I said was, "Well, I, I used a bad word." <laughs> I said that was a bad call, and the umpire said you're out too. <laughs> He'd already thrown a couple of guys out. And yeah. I said that's a really bad call. I said I called it something else, a worse call. And so th those are kind of stupid things that I've done that don't exactly make friends of the umpires and different people that I've dealt with. But um, I don't know. I, I that's not. We're really not pertinent. I'm going to try to stick around a while, and yeah. maybe I can uh, change some minds in the meantime. <laughs> That's right. Um, what has this meant to you? What has this uh, career meant to you? Well, I've able, very few people can do what they want to do, and that's what I've done. I, I'm doing exactly what I want to do. I, uh, as long as I can play a little ball and write a little bit, and the job that way I mean that's what I want to do I, I never have had any interest in I shouldn't say that I, I sold mutual funds at one time but I did it for the money and I never there were actually times and this is when you know you don't you don't want to be in the business when you have a list of phone calls to make and you hope they don't answer hmm. then you know you're in the wrong business <laughs> because <laughs> right yeah. and I just was never comfortable cold calling and I, I just 
didn't really, I, you know, once I sit down with somebody, I try to sell them. But uh, I, I think that uh, as long as you can do something you really like doing, and I, I enjoy I enjoy talking to you today. I enjoy everything about uh, going to the games. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a Cardinal fan, and I, I followed the Cardinals. They hit seven home runs last night, and that's a big night for me, you know, seven <laughs> home runs. I thought they were on the verge of losing that game at one time. They were got down to a one-run game. They wound up winning 16 to eight. And, but I, I follow the Cardinals and, and I follow Illinois. And that's, those are my, those are basically the two things that I follow. I'm a bear fan, but they've been <laughs> mediocre for so long that, uh, you know, I went to the bear games on Sundays with a bunch of coaches for years at Hammond. We, we, we went all the time home games. And, um, so th those are my teams and, and, uh, I have to stick with them. I, I always tell people it beats a real job, right, Lauren? Beats a real job. Uh, it's it's something diff right. something different every day, and uh, you're you're. You know sports. what? You keep thinking. Uh, here's what I. You have this feeling uh, that there won't be anything to write about next week. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's all going to go away. There'll be nothing. You know, there hasn't been a there hasn't been a week. There hasn't been a week in fifty years that there hasn't been something good to write about. Not one week. Now I'm only writing one column a week now, so that's all I care about. But I, I'm worried. I just turned in my column today for Sunday, and and I'm thinking, oh gee, what am I going to write about next week? There'll be nothing. Sports is going to stop. There won't be, <laughs> but it never seems to stop. Yeah, stop for a little bit in 2020, and that was about it. But uh, Lauren doesn't. Yeah. Stop. Lauren Tate doesn't stop either, and, and we love it. Um, I know you got a street named after you got all this, but, but Lauren, I really appreciate your time. You are a legend around here and you've meant a, a lot to this community. So uh, just wanted to get that on the record. You keep there. doing your job and I'll keep reading you. How's that? Well, you keep doing your job and I'll keep reading you as well. <laughs> Lauren Tate, uh, appreciate Thanks the time. Appreciate it. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I had a blast doing that one. I, I hope you did as well. And it sounds like Lauren enjoyed it as well. So glad everybody can enjoy that. Um, just uh, love talking with him. So we'll hope to do more of these. Uh, you know, I, I've done some interviews, long forums with people in the business. Some people have asked about me, Joey, and Derek doing one of these. We could do that down the line. But I uh, got some great podcast guests set up for the next couple of weeks. Jay Lehman's going to join us. Uh, we're going to have one of the Illini coaches join us here very shortly. And we're working on more. So uh, obviously we, we've been very newsy with the offseason and things like that. But we do want to dive into a little bit more fun, a little bit more long-form interviews. Me and Joey love doing those. Um, so we hope to do that a little bit more as we get into the summer here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. But everybody... Have a great day. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Choir Podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye.